Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Basketball Podcast, where today we're going to talk all things NBA. Um, instead of handicapping in the NBA, we're going to be talking about fantasy basketball. How does that sound, Brad? All right, sounds like we're going to be wading into this. I, uh, I've i actually spent a lot more time betting the NBA than playing fantasy uh, these last five years, so uh, we might be learning as well as talking about it. You know, to, you're right. I think that's a good idea. To be perfectly honest to the group, we are um, more recreational fantasy basketball players and more serious ones. I know you, you know, stick your toe into daily fantasy a little bit more than I do. I, I do that every once in a while. But um, you know, this is this one's going to be, I think, a little more for fun. I know that we have a lot of understanding of the NBA, and you know, we'll have some good takes here. But um, you know, got asked by a couple people maybe to talk about this a little bit, and I, I think we'll be able to figure it out. But before we do that, spread, I always like to surprise you with a question you're not prepared for. Um, <laughs> You know, fantasy basketball, what an interesting concept. And it made me think about, you know, what's my fantasy for the NBA? If I could do one thing, like, you know, a genie comes out and I have, I get one wish and it has to be NBA related, you know, what would it be? So I'll let you go second because I have an idea already. I wish the NBA worked like the English, I'm sorry, the English Premier League where there was relegation. I think that if you added 10 more teams to the NBA, did a top league with 20 and a second league with 20, that would make the season way more interesting. I think that it would help a ton with stuff like tanking. Now, I don't understand exactly how the draft would work in a system like that, but um, I think that would make things a ton more interesting if there were 20 teams that knew they'd be in a higher league and 20 teams that, that knew they'd be in a lower league. I think it would increase the desire for everybody to be competitive every year. And I just think it would be interesting. I think it would create a little more at stake, a little more... I don't know, a little more skin in the game for everybody. What do you think of that idea? Yeah, I love that idea. You know, I'm realizing this is kind of be a we've redux. We've talked about this, I think, on our NBA pod because um, I love that idea. But I remember being really impressed with it uh, when we did it on the pod before. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember did this idea. Did we talk idea. about that already? Yeah, we did this one. I think oh, because good. mine was um, a great I wanted, idea. <laughs> I wanted to be able to waive players where the player still got the money, but it didn't count against your salary cap. So the idea oh, How does that work? Well, the idea for mine is like, so you waive Chris Paul, and you're like, okay, he's not on our team anymore. You still have to pay Chris Paul all that money, but since he didn't play for your team, you now have $30 million of salary cap space. So basically, just to prevent trading all the expiring contracts and to get an idea of, you know, when you want to get younger and just flip your team over like the NFL, you can do it a lot quicker. Whereas so from- in the NBA, sometimes it seems like, you know, you make a couple bad signings and, and your team's done for about three or four years. I'd look at the Washington Wizards as an example of that right now. So do you still have to pay the player if he signs another contract, or you just have to like pay the difference, you think? Probably just pay the difference. So it'd be good for somebody like Chris Paul, because he'd get to leave the team that he's on and then kind of be a free agent for a little bit? Yeah. And then someone could sign him for $2 million and then whoever cut him, like Oklahoma City, could pay the 38 and then L.A., whoever signed him, could pay the $2 million. So if you're thinking about this a little deeper then, so you've already picked Chris Paul, were there any other names that you had in mind of players that teams might think about, you know, cutting to open up the space versus, uh, you know, holding on to to try to trade? Um, Not right now because I think the round of the 2016 contracts just ended. But uh, didn't we have like Evan Turner and... All the 2016 guys and the mid-range guys were just ended up being albatross contracts. Well, the easy answer here is John Wall. Oh, of course, John Wall. Do you think so? If you're the Washington Wizards, would you wait and, and try to hold on to him, knowing that 
you know, at some point he might play. And, you know, worst case, he's going to sell a lot of jerseys. He's going to fill seats. No. Knowing that you have to pay him anyway. I mean, uh, so if you cut John Wall right now, no one's going to sign him, not till the beginning of next year. So you're going to have to pay him anyway. You might as well hold right. on to him. Yeah, but like, I think you, it would give you a fresh start and you can just start moving on. Not to mention you'd want to cut him right away so you'd use the salary space right away. Interesting. So, so you like the idea of actually even more freedom, more players moving around, kind of kind of less less structure and who holds on to who. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of works out. I mean, even at the park, you kind of switch up uh, teams all the time, you know, with people switching back and forth. I don't think that it's uh, – I, I don't think that the fans dislike it, right? I mean, the free agency part's pretty fun, right? It is. I, mean, I like that I mean, a lot. The do you think the NBA would be better if Kawhi Leonard stayed on the uh, Spurs the whole time? Or I pronounced uh, the name correctly. Why? Uh, <laughs> why? Not Kahal, not Kawhi, not Kawhat, Kawhi. That's a good one for me to remember it. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to give you something to, to build around. So Kawhi. Yeah, <laughs> Kawhi. But I like what you're talking about. I think that one of the most fun things that we're going to realize this year is it's one of the first years we haven't had a de facto favorite. There's There's a whole bunch of teams vying. There's a whole bunch of teams kind of in that second tier that, you know, Maybe if they make a trade, pick up somebody who's maybe available from some of these lesser teams, maybe they kind of take a step forward. But I like the movement. I like the change. I like that, you know, every three to five years, maybe even less than that, the NBA seems to kind of turn over entirely. All the the stars either kind of switch teams or retire or kind of move around. So I'm a big fan of that. But that's interesting. I, I think that we would see even more player movement than we do now if they had a setup like that. Yeah, I think it would be fun. So we could, what we'll do we, is we'll, we'll allow them to cut, and then hopefully when they get cut, they don't end up in the um, in the relegation league because we'll have 40 teams by that time when we've uh, implemented your idea as well. Well, so what are our 10 cities then? That's the other thing I kind of haven't figured out. So I, I figure Seattle's real easy. We'll mm-hmm. go back to Seattle. I like the idea of having another Canadian team. I thought Vancouver was really fun, so that's number two. Um, okay. Can you think of any cities here that, that uh, don't have NBA teams that might want one? Hmm. I would say just probably put more in the big cities. What's I'm kind of trying to think. Let me like pull could up. Philadelphia support two teams. I don't think so. Would you want to put Los a team Angeles in Puerto Rico? Three. Should we put a team in Puerto Rico? I've got two. I need eight more. I don't think you want to put two in Los Angeles. Maybe a second team in Chicago, but I, I kind of hate that idea. So let's keep going. Do you think we All could right, put? How a, about San could, Diego? I was gonna say, could we put a team in San Diego? Yeah. Replace uh, the Chargers. Maybe call them the Chargers. Maybe people will forget. All right. <laughs> yeah. San Diego. That San Diego's made the list. So we've got Seattle. We've got Vancouver. We've got San Diego. Um, can we do a team in Austin, Texas? Did you know Austin, Texas was the 11th largest city in the United States? No. What do you think? Another Texas team? Yeah. That works for me. All right. San Diego, Austin. we got four teams here. Now things start to get a little funky. We might have to put one in Jacksonville or Columbus. Um, let's see, Charlotte has a team. They said Seattle. Actually, starting to run out of teams here. Spread. Maybe, maybe we don't need ten more NBA teams. Maybe that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's throw Nevada a couple. We'll do Reno and Las. Oh, that's Vegas. true. I'm sorry. We skipped Las Vegas. So at the very least, we got Vegas. That was five. We came up with with five good ones there. Maybe yeah. we'll get maybe we'll get Baltimore a team again. Who knows? All right. Oh, that's a nice one. That's Baltimore, so we got six there. Let's see. I'm going to go way down the list. What do you think? we put a team in Honolulu? 
Can you imagine the travel? No, that travel would be horrible. Oh, man. That would be fun. All right. Enough of that. Let's move into actual fantasy basketball. (laughs) This was a pretty good fantasy league, though. I like it. So let us know what what your teams are because we'll keep track of them. And unfortunately, we couldn't go up with 10 ones. I think we got six there. But let's move on to what we want to talk about, fantasy basketball. Before we jump into any real topics, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to play fantasy basketball. You have roto leagues. You have points leagues. You have head-to-head leagues, you know, where you kind of have nine categories and you play that way. Um you know, for the most part, I think spread. You have almost all only played head-to-head leagues. I played, I played a roto league. I played a head-to-head league before. For for those who don't know, um, essentially what a roto league does is it's kind of a season-long competition where um, you have a certain amount of statistical categories, say like points and rebounds, and each team is trying to accumulate the most of certain categories. So if you're in a 12-team league and you have the most rebounds, you get 12 points. If you have the least amount of rebounds, you get one point. So the better you do in certain categories, the better you do, and it's kind of a season-long thing. Points leagues are, are more similar to fantasy football, where you assign a certain amount of points to the amount of points they score, rebounds, assists, things like that, and you accrue points every week. Um, your head-to-head category leagues, basically, you take a, a week and you have eight, nine, sometimes ten. I've actually been in a league before with ten categories, and line those up for a team for a week, and whoever wins the most categories wins. So. I think, Spread, you're the most comfortable with that that third type, right? The head-to-head categories? Yeah, let's do head-to-head categories tonight. We'll just uh, work on the assumption that's what most people are playing. Yeah, it is, and the formats are very close. I mean, at the end of the day, Roto is kind of similar to head-to-head categories, except instead of a weekly thing, it's a season-long thing. And and points at the end of the day is mostly driven by usage. You know, the more your player is going to be out there, the more they're going to be doing, the better it's going to be. Um, But a lot of the same concepts apply. But for the most part, we'll be talking through this as if it were a head-to-head kind of nine-category situation. So I think the first question spread, we've got a deep field this year. Who is in the conversation for first pick? You know, when I think of of players for the first pick, I mean, Stephen Curry, Giannis, Anthony Davis. um, And then I start to wonder, you know, do we include somebody like James Harden in that conversation? Do we include somebody like LeBron James in that conversation? You know, um, Carl Anthony Towns, is, is he somebody for the first pick? So when you're thinking about your first pick spread, who, who, who's kind of your group of names? I'm thinking Giannis. I think yeah. I like Giannis here. I mean, I think he's going to continue to improve. Um, so Giannis was the one for my number one pick. Um, second, I would probably do Curry. Who was your, who's your top two? I mean, those were... Those are the ones that I was trying to target when I was doing my little mock drafts today, and I had the top five picks. So I think it's really important when you're doing Roto, when you're doing head-to-head categories, um, try to think about what kind of team you want to build and what your big players are good at. And at the end of the day, what those really come down to is picking some categories you think you can win and picking some categories you're you're comfortable losing. So if you're going to have somebody like Steph Curry, you're going to do really great in shooting percentages. You're going to have a ton of three-pointers made. You're going to do a good job from assists. If you pick somebody like Giannis, you're going to have some more points. You're going to have more rebounds. Um, A player that I like that you didn't mention, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he, He has an interesting combination of you know, a ton of rebounds, a ton of points, really good for double-doubles, obviously. Um, does well from a block perspective, but hits a lot of threes. He actually made more threes last year than Giannis did. Has a, has a good free-throw shooting percentage, about 80%. And then 
you know, it's a concept that I take from fantasy football. One of my favorite things in fantasy football I used to do, you know, before it was kind of popular, was taking Gronkowski in an early round because tight end was, was a position where he had some scarcity. Center in the NBA in the, from a fantasy position is is kind of like that. There's not too many centers that are very good, and the ones that are are really limited in what they do. So to have somebody at the center position like Towns who can make a lot of three-pointers, so I think maybe spread a, a, a more interesting aspect here. You know, so you said Giannis. If, if you're taking Giannis number one, what are you thinking about from your team? What categories, you know, are you trying to really win if you have Giannis on your team? So basically, I think if you're taking Giannis, oh, his field goal percentage is high, though. You're kind of eschewing a couple of the categories, but you're basically going for the main stat counting categories, right? Because he's going to give you points, rebounds, and assists, and uh, double-doubles. He's going to be, you know, almost eschewing for that. And not bad on blocks. I think the only weakness you're getting with him will be free throw percentage and three-pointers. Yeah, three three pointers are down there. So I guess when you have a player like Giannis, at that point, spread you got to decide: are your next couple picks going to be big three point shooters so you can stay competitive? Or are you just going to kind of skip that category and pile on rebounders and assist guys and, and and guys like that? So so that's actually an interesting question. So if you were to do that, how would you do it? Do you like do you prefer the even team approach, or do you like to stack and just go strength on strength? I, I go stack. I, I think that especially when you're doing head to head categories and, and you're doing roto, it's the best you can do is be mediocre in some categories and just try to win some. Um, you know, week in and week out last year, my big thing was I had I had like the fifth or sixth pick and Towns was there. So I grabbed Towns. Then I grabbed Joel Embiid. Then I grabbed, I'm trying to remember, I had a bunch of big guys. I had a bunch of guys that were power forward centers and I just won double doubles, rebounds, blocks, and field goal percentage every week. And knowing that you know, I kind of had that. Uh, most of my focus was trying to figure out, all right, who's hurt? Who can I kind of fill in to maybe do better on some of these other categories as we got later through the week? Um, that's one of the big things. you got to th- really think about how you're going to build your team. Do you, you know, to your point, spread, you know, I tend to like the stack and try to win some categories. Are you more of a spread it out guy? See, I'm a spread it out guy, but the more I've been looking into this, because I, I didn't play the last couple of years, so I played pretty much when this thing was in, in its infancy. I actually, like, looked, and I was, like, I can embarrass, like, the last year that I played. So I had tried to have an even team back then. But now that I kind of understand the gamesmanship of it a little more, because I think back then I was just trying to pick, like, my like what my favorite team would be. Like, I was thinking, like, as a spectator almost, you know. Like, I want Steph as my point guard. You know, I want, you know, these guys. And I was just kind of thinking of, of picking my favorite players. But, um... I kind of do like the stack idea. And then, so towards the end of the week, do you try to shore up your other categories? Like you go, okay, I got rebounds and blocks. Um, you know, I got those categories sewn up. So now I'm going to maybe put in, you know, switch out a power forward. That's more of like a stretch four that shoots more threes to try and catch up in those categories. Is that kind of how the attitude on how you're approaching that? Exactly. That's exactly what I try to do. If I am, you know, it's Friday or Saturday night and I have a big lead in a couple categories, I'll, I'll pick Saturday and Sunday players, you know, maybe even mm-hmm. pick up some free agents and stuff that I know they're going to fill spots and, and try to get those gaps. So if, you know, I'm 50 rebounds ahead, um, but I'm three three-pointers behind, maybe I'll bench a forward, bench a center, and put somebody in. Like somebody like even Wayne Ellington was a great guy last year for me. He was always a free agent, but if I needed to win three-pointers and had you know, two games of Wayne Ellington, he'd come in, hit seven or eight, and I'd get that nice bump. So um, that's kind of how I manage things. 
So when you're when you're drafting now, are you looking to balance your team out? So let's say you get a couple of those heavy guys, you know, say you get like a Drummond or a Blake that's going to give you lots of points and rebounds. Are you looking for more like the stretch fours or the stretch fives to be your backups? Or are you going for best player available still in the later rounds of the draft? I try to always go best player available. One of the things that I think is a big mistake a lot of people do, not only just in sports but in fantasy sports, is they try to fix their team too early. They try to be like, all right, I drafted the perfect team. Now I don't have to do anything with it. You have a whole season to figure it out. You know, Most leagues are 10 to 12 guys. Six guys make the playoffs. You have a couple of months to kind of figure out what you want to do. So take your time, take a long approach, and pick what you believe to be the best player and let the rest kind of figure itself out. You know, when I'm drafting, I am always looking for the best player. But again, what I'll do is kind of, all right, it's my turn to pick. Here's, I think, who the best guy is. He's really strong in these couple categories. That's how I'm going to build my team. And I'll keep that focus going forward. But at the end of the day, I do like to think that I end up picking what I believe to be the best overall player every time. Interesting. Yeah. So I think that basketball gives you an interesting opportunity um, with the injuries. And the fact that you can uh, search the waivers, say you know a guy's going to be out for like a week or two, um, then you can find his backup, and then you know that it's going to go up to 30 or 40 minutes and kind of address your needs that way as the season goes on, just almost like leaving a roster spot for, uh, you know, a streaming uh, injury guy, you know, a streaming backup that's going to be uh, pushed into starting duty that you can address your needs that way. It's a fantasy football concept that, that doesn't really make it into NBA, the concept of hand, handcuffing players. A lot of times in football, you do that with running backs. And mm-hmm. given the way rosters in fantasy basketball are, are usually set up, there's very few bench spots, and you're kind of starting everybody. But I love what you're talking about. I like to try to monitor and, and always keep a list of free agents where, you know, if so-and-so gets hurt, if so-and-so is taking some time off, this guy is going to slide into the starting lineup and get 25 minutes a game and, and really focus on those kind of players versus guys that are, you know, guaranteed 15 to 20 I'm looking for more upside and, you know, frankly, f- fluctuation that I'm looking for consistency. And from a daily fantasy perspective, if you play daily fantasy, that's going to be right up your alley because uh, most of daily fantasy seem to be exploiting that, whereas a big guy would be called out, uh, injured, you know, late a day. And so then his backup goes from projected, you know, 12 minutes to maybe 31 minutes, but he's still priced in the four to 5,000 range. So you're able to get those guys cheap, and a lot of guys will load up on them. But um, if you miss those guys, it feels it almost feels like you're at a disadvantage. So a lot of the daily fantasy comes from from watching those injuries and knowing the backups. So um, if you are doing this for your uh, head-to-head league or your for-fun league with your friends, it might actually help you with your daily fantasy, and you might be able to throw together some winning lineups using those same principles. All right, Spread, I think right now what the best thing we can do is um, you know, just kind of prep ourselves, prep the audience a little bit for the year to come. I thought we'd go position by position, try to establish you know, what we think our tiers are. Um, you know, tiering your players in fantasy is really important. It's a good way for you to kind of power rank people and understand you know, how you feel about people at different positions. So I think we'll go position by position, try to talk about our favorite players in each group and you know, how we kind of group them and split them apart. So let's start with point guards. What do you think? I mean, isn't this great to see Damian Lillard in there with the two-time MVP? You know, 
We've had a lot of conversations about Damian Lillard. And I love him as a regular season player. So, uh, you know, we're looking at this list right here. It looks like the, the top tier for point guards. Um, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard. I think those are probably the two best point guards. I obviously like Steph Curry much more than Damian Lillard. But I, I think you, you made a good point earlier. Steph Curry tends to be a little more injury prone, tends to get more time off, whereas Lillard really is a night in, um, night out guy. He's playing high 70s, low 80s games every single year. But both guys are going to give you a ton of points, a ton of three-pointers, good shooting percentages, some assist numbers. Um, from a defensive standpoint, Curry's actually a little better from a steals perspective. You know, you're obviously not getting any blocks from here, but, you know, Spread, do you, do you see this as the, as the true top tier? Is there anybody else we should be including with these two guys? Is Trey Young, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, does any of those guys deserve to be in that same group as, as Steph Curry and Dame Lillard as, as the top point guards. No, I think they got the top tier, right? And then um, if you want to read off their tier two, I think we could each choose our favorites from tier two. So, so uh, tier two is Trey Young, De'Aaron Fox, Drew Holiday, Russell Westbrook, and Kemba Walker. Out of that tier, who would you most like to have on your team? I think I think it's either Trey Young or De'Aaron Fox. It depends... You know, I'm, I always like trying to pick players that I think are going to be better than they were last year. I think Trey Young has a ton of talent, a ton of skill, and is just going to grow from having the experience of having played in the league last year. I think De'Aaron Fox gets a little better every single year. I love the Kings team. He has just an incredible roster around him. If he can you know, maybe pick his shooting up under the three, four shots a game and, and maybe get his minutes up a little bit, he could be truly special. But those are the two names that I really have circled. All right, and I think that it's kind of weird uh, because I think Russell Westbrook actually has the most upside. It's going to be just interesting to see his usage, but since he does fill up the assist and rebound categories, he's obviously an interesting look. And I and I have a, another question for you. Do you think that it's wrong that they did not put Ben Simmons in this tier because I was actually kind of surprised? I do. I, I think especially yeah. in a head-to-head category league with someone like him who's going to dominate double-doubles. Right. Yeah. You, you look at this group, it's hard to find anybody who's going to get a lot of double-doubles. Simmons is going to be really good in that category. I mean, I, I think he... One of the few guards that will get you blocks. Right. He's going to get some blocks. He gets steals. Um, you know, obviously you don't get the, the so, yeah, three-pointers and do stuff. Do you think it's but... just because you're basically sacrificing field goal percentage at that point? Well, his field goal percentage actually isn't bad because he doesn't really shoot anything but dunks. Oh, I mean free throw uh, percentage. Yeah, you, you sacrifice that a little bit. He doesn't shoot a lot of free throws either. I think that Ben Simmons is a perfect player for a team where you start to look at your roster and go, you know what, I'm just going to lose three-pointers every week? Screw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this this is a great point guard for a team like that. You know, maybe you go Carl Anthony Towns in the first round, you know, looking at Simmons maybe second late second, early third with another player, and he just kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to win double-doubles, I'm going to win rebounds. Um, he's a really great player for that. I don't understand why he's in Tier 3 versus somebody like Kemba, uh, who ends up in Tier 2. I don't, you know, I, I worry about Kemba's usage. I think that Gordon Hayward is actually going to take away a lot of the ball-handling duties there. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about Westbrook. Uh, Westbrook, for me, is somebody I, I'm not going to draft this year because I, I can't, there's such a wide range of what he could do, and I don't know if the high end of that range is interesting enough for me to be um, invested in that kind of variability. I think even if he is a very high usage player, he might get some assists. I don't, I don't know. I'm staying away from Russell Westbrook. I think that a lot of people um, think of the guy who averaged a triple double, and maybe they are underestimating what his role will be in Houston. But I think there's just too many question marks in there. 
Um, the other guy in the tier here, Drew Holiday, one of my favorite players in the NBA. I think that he has a chance to get a lot of of minutes, get a lot of usage, get a lot of shots up on a bad team. You know, one of my favorite things in fantasy basketball to do is to pick players on bad teams. You know, one of the reasons I love Trey Young is because he's the best player in his team. The Hawks aren't very good, but Trey Young's going to be playing twenty five to thirty five minutes a night, shooting anytime he wants, being the absolute leader of that team. And I think Drew Holiday is going to be maybe a little lesser version of that. Zion Williamson hurt, obviously out for a little while, but that's Drew's team. He's going to be leading. I think that he has a chance to even be the leading scorer there. So I think that he's a little bit underrated. What do you think about this group? Anything to add about some of those other players? I just kind of want to fall back to you on the Ben Simmons still. So let's just say Simmons does fall to you and you, you can find him in round three. But you're not going to allow that to – so you're not just going to say at that point that you're still going best player available. You're not saying, okay, well, I got Simmons, so I'm actually skewing away from three-pointers, so I'm going to draft with the rest of this idea in mind. You're still going best player available and then just let it figure it all out when you have a roster at the end. I think a lot of it depends on who your first couple picks are in that scenario. If you have, say, Steph Curry and another guy who's a big three-point guy, it's probably tough to take Simmons in that position. But at the same time, maybe he fills out a lot of categories you don't have, you know, if, if you're interested in a more balanced approach. But mm-hmm. I think that Ben Simmons is a player that you really want on certain teams and you maybe don't want on others. So I think a lot of that depends on who you have at that point. Okay. All right, next group here, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. I thought it was interesting, actually, that even Kyrie was there. Um, I think this speaks volumes about the general expectations for him and that team and, and what they're going to be able to do. What do you think about Kyrie Irving this year? Is this disrespectful? Is is this right? At first it didn't seem right, but then I'm remembering this is fantasy perspective, and it's you're kind of getting some of the exact opposite that you're, that you're getting with Simmons, right? Because you're going to get points and you're going to get assists, and then you're getting that free throw percentage. And so even though we might not, think of that you know when we're writing normal basketball players for our wins and losses as, as NBA handicappers um, although it has to do with covering the spread but not necessarily wins and losses um, I think that's why Kyrie is up there with Simmons but I almost was laughing at first because you know if I was choosing between tier three and these two are available I, w- I was going to take Simmons every time um, but then you kind of look in with the with the field goal percentage although Kyrie's actually lower than Simmons on field goal percentage huh Simmons has a great field goal percentage. Again, yeah, all he really so does is dunk the ball. free throw percentage that you're losing on, right? Mm-hmm. And threes. Kyrie's going to hit a bunch of threes. Okay. So, so again, you're basically it, trading those two categories for, what, double-doubles and blocks and rebounds? Yeah. Yeah, see, it seems like you're getting three categories instead of two with Simmons. Again, I, I think a lot of it depends on your roster, but I, I think you're hitting the, hitting the nail on the head. There's more. Simmons is going to fill the stat sheet more than Irving is. Mm-hmm. All right, next group, we've got D'Angelo Russell, Eric Bledsoe, Kyle Lowry, Ja Morant, and Jamal Murray. Um, that makes sense to me. Who's your favorite player out of that group? Murray, because at this point, you should be drafting for upside, and I think he's got the highest upside of anyone in the group. I like Murray. I'd probably actually be looking at Morant. I think mm-hmm. he's, he's if had you a nice do that, season. though, you're he's pretty much riding off the beginning of the year. Mm. Point guards traditionally struggle the first two or three months. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of usage to be had there. D'Angelo Russell is actually not a bad pick. I, I, I like Murray. Russell yeah. is another name that I looked at. I think that Steph Curry's going to get a lot of attention defensively, and Russell's going to get a lot of opportunities to uh, to make a lot of buckets. Um, 
if you feel your team is stacked and 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 Morant is around, I think I like it. But if you're not sure about the strength of your team and you're not sure if you can absorb him, not really giving you a lot the first couple months, I would pass. So how high is he on Yahoo? Where's Morant at? He's going. I just crossed by his name in the seventh round usually. That's so yeah, right, right by then you should be you should be trying to go for maybe a riskier pick. All right, the next tier: Mike Conley, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Chris Paul. Um, How is this a tier? I I don't understand why these guys aren't in that uh, tier ahead. I think Mike Conley's gonna have a great year this year. I love. I Shea like Gil- Mike Conley Gilgis almost Alexander. more than all of tier four. I think I like Conley and and and, and SGA just about as much, if not more, than all. Just because SGA is going to fill up the stat sheet. I think he is. I think he's going to get a ton of minutes, and they're just really going to feed him the ball. Chris Paul yeah. is someone again. I, I you know he's not going to be in any of my teams this year. I don't know if he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to be hurt. I don't know if he's going to be traded. I'm staying as far away from him as possible. Even like in the tenth round, just passing. All right. You're just going to have him on your bench and be annoyed all year. <laughs> All right, the last tier here, and we'll stop at this tier because I think this is the last group of guys who you'll actually be drafting and will be on your team playing regularly. Terry Rozier, Lonzo Ball, um, Duante Murray, uh, Jeff Teague, Derek White, and Ricky Rubio. Uh, who's your favorite of that group? Murray. Murray's pretty good. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes for the Spurs. He's going to get a lot of minutes, and he was the only one that really, I think, has a chance. Ah, Rozier's going to get a lot. That's too, what I was going to say. That was my pick. Scary Terry, man. There's nothing on that Charlotte Hornets team keeping him from chucking. Yeah. I mean, he could be a twenty-something points points a night guy. He could just be playing a ton of minutes, filling up the stat sheet for a terrible Hornets team. I think I like him a lot. I think I'm going to have some Terry Rozier this year. Yeah. Not a bad look. You want to jump on to the shooting guards? Yeah, let's keep going. Shooting guards, the first tier shooting guards, James Harden and Bradley Beal. Yeah, and tier two is Luka Doncic and Devin Booker, and I was, I, I don't see why you would want Bradley Beal over Luka. Well, so I was thinking Harden should be in tier one by himself, and I like Beal on that next yeah. group with Doncic and Booker. You know, Beal again, he's going to be the best player in a bad team, so it's he's going to have all the usage, all the minutes, and he just blows out all all the, the statistical categories. I mean, good free throw percentage, good field goal percentage, tons of threes, tons of points. He may he'll be generating a few assists. He gets a few rebounds. Um, not huge on the defensive stats, but again, you get another guy who's going to be getting a lot of usage. Luka, Luka is interesting. Because I wonder if he does anything well enough to be interesting. Um, he's one of those guys where if you're somebody that wants to dominate some, some statistical categories, I think you actually stay away from him. If you're someone that mm. wants to have a really well-balanced team, he's perfect. Mm. I see that. That's a good one. So if you're looking to dominate, uh, speaking of which, and be non-balanced, Devin Booker's your man, right? I like Actually, I like that's why I like Booker and Beal again. I like to go... Guys who are a little heavier in categories, I think Beal and Booker are going to get a ton of points, a ton of threes, and, and you know hit some high percentage marks. Um, but I think Beal, Booker, and Doncic are pretty close. Again, it depends what your team looks like at that point. I'll probably have more Beal and Booker than I do Don- Doncic. Interesting. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, we're different there. And maybe that's where um, I got I to gotta learn to adjust to the, the new fantasy way. I guess I'm... A balanced players in real life you love a balanced player you know in fantasy it's a little different and that's funny because that was my reasoning for being surprised that jimmy butler was behind devin booker but um when you're explaining i guess if you're just looking at statisticals 
Butler's going to be a lot closer to Doncic than than Booker or Beal, right? Because he's going to be pretty even with most of his categories. Again, it, it depends what that team looks like and if he is going to be the primary scorer, if, if oh, Waiters is going to take some buckets, if, if Goran's going to take some buckets, if they'll try to you know get somebody else involved. I, I think he will. What do you think he'll average this year? I'm thinking like 21 to 23. That's what I was thinking, low 20s. That makes sense to me. See, the name I like here, actually I like the name underneath him. I'd rather have Donovan Mitchell this year than Jimmy Butler. Really? Yeah. I think Jimmy's going to be forced to play a lot of defense. He's going to be forced to be a leader. Mitchell's just going to be kind of running around free for the first time in a few years. He's not going to have to initiate offense. Conley, we know, doesn't really care if he scores. Um, I think he's going to have a, a lot of open looks this year and for the first time have some freedom. So I'm actually a little higher on Mitchell than I am Butler. Wow, okay. I'm a little higher on Butler, but maybe I'm a little too balanced. I'm not thinking about dominating these categories. And another guy I like, he's the top guy in Tier 4, your guy, Buddy Heald. Yeah, but I he's like upset it. about his contract. I know. I wish they would just sign him to a stinking contract. I don't know if that motivates him. I don't know what that does. Yeah. I, I think he's a little underrated. So they've got Buddy Heald with McCollum and DeMar DeRozan. I think Heald has a chance to do much better in steals. He actually makes a ton of threes. He's going to beat yeah, both of these guys. Yeah, he was up there with Clay and Steph as far as uh, percentage and attempts, because obviously you would be close to, to Stefan percentage, but if you're only shooting one-tenth of the amount, it doesn't really matter. But he's pretty close on volume, and, and he was uh, near the same percentage. So if you are looking to dominate categories like you were talking about earlier, I think he's a great option. Yeah, if, if you're looking at a team that's going to be a really good steal, three-point team, Heald's a really nice player. But what do you think of McCollum and, and DeRozan? Who, who do How did like? DeRozan sneak in this tier? Well, I, you know, you look, the next tier down, it's Brogdon and Levine, and the next tier down is Harris and Oladipo. I think he's much better than those four players. I think he's pretty similar to McCollum. I think I would actually Really? Be... I think almost fantasy-wise, Levine has more upside this year. That's Levine's going to get more shot opportunities every night. Uh, maybe. But what else is he going to do besides just put in points? What does DeRozan do? Uh, DeRozan... You don't even get DeRozan, three-pointers with him. He gets a few assists. He gets some rebounds. If you look, he's he's another guy. He's like a really poor man's Doncic. Um, he's going to just be you know, mediocre to above average at a lot of things as opposed to really great at certain things. So again, if you're going for more of a balanced approach, DeRozan's actually probably a little better player. Hmm. I wouldn't think so. I'm thinking at the end of the year, Zach Levine... It's weird I, that I would actually want on my team, you know, for building, for NBA handicapping. I think DeRozan helps you win more, and we give be more points towards the spread. But for fantasy, I think I think Zach Levine's going to have a great year. It's an important uh, thing know. to think about. you got to skew, you know, normally what you think about basketball. This is not about building a basketball team. It's about building yeah. a fantasy team. So now, I know um, that's why I like Levine, because I would hate to have him on my real team. Like, I was so happy when the, when the Bulls uh, matched the offer, you know, away from the Kings where he chose to go there. That would have ruined our whole team. Brogdon's interesting. He's going to be on the Pacers this year for the first time. I don't really know what to expect from him. Then you've got Gary Harris and Oladipo. Oladipo obviously injured for a little while. If you have a solid team and Oladipo's hanging around, I think you grab him. I think you can <laughs> grab him, put him on kind of your injured reserve spot, and, and that's the kind of pick that um, maybe wins you the league at the end of the year. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm probably going to stay away from him. I'm wondering if he's even going to come back 100%. Or if we're going to have like a Hayward-style, um, you know, readjusting to the league. 
Now, the next two, near, two tiers, we've got a bunch of names in here that are kind of interesting. I wonder if, if all these guys are going to end up on teams. So I'm going to lump seven and eight together. Marcus Smart, Danny Green, Nick Batum, Kevin Herter, Lou Williams, Evan Fournier, J.J. Redick, Joe Harris, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Tomas Sadoransky, and Terrence Ross. And let's actually just keep going. we got Eric Gordon in the ninth tier, Jeremy Lamb, R.J. Barrett, Seth Curry, Jalen Brown, Kent Bazemore, Malik Bunk, Landry Shamit, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, what a mess of players. It's really hard for me to figure out who is, is the best of this group. Um, what do you think of the, this this big list of names I just read off? Who pops to you? Who, who, who might you own this year out of all those names? So the ones that were look, that I was trying to grab when I was doing the mock drafts earlier is I like Lou Williams just because he gives you points and a good field goal percentage. Herter, Bogdanovich, and Harris if you're looking for threes. And then um, for the complete stash potential, um, R.J. Barrett, you know, because it's almost like Oladipo. You're not going to be able to use him for the first couple months, but he's going to get a lot of minutes. And when he gets accustomed to the league, especially, you know, if the Knicks are down by 20 every night, like I don't know how much intensity he's going to be playing against either. This is a very tough group because it's – it's a lot of guys who are good at certain things and, and not great at a lot of things. I'm curious to see Eric Gordon dump that that far down. I I think maybe this is too much overthinking what Westbrook might do to him. I don't mm-hmm. think that we're going to see less three-pointers from him, less overall points from him. So I think he's very underrated when I start to look at this list. Um, Sadoransky's an interesting player. He's going to get a lot of assists, a lot of steals. He's definitely going to be, I think, the starter there in Chicago. But... Mm-hmm. I'll probably stay away from him. Herter is a guy who I think could really start to put up some numbers and you know, really maybe be a second scorer after Trey Young. He's an interesting player, uh, but this is kind of a mess. You know, as I start to look at this group, it makes me want to focus more and more and get a couple names in the in those first few tiers. What do you think about that? I don't think I'd mind Ryan with a couple of these guys. I think um, you know because you just end up choosing categories. You know, I think you get Herter. Bogdanovich or Harris in the late rounds and not be too upset with starting them and then basically only knowing you're the trick in points, uh, free throw percentage, and three point. All right, anything else on shooting guards before we move on to small forwards? No, let's go to small forwards. They put LeBron James in a tier by himself. I think that's probably right. The next tier is Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I think that if we knew Leonard was playing the whole season, he'd be in the same tier as LeBron. Leonard. Because he's healthy to begin the year. We already know George is hurt. Um, okay. So I, I think I like Leonard. Um, Do you again, know last year statistically who would have been better to have? It, I think it depended on what time of year. George had a really hot streak yeah, during, kind of towards George the end of the year. would have been better from a fantasy perspective last yeah. year. But he, I think he played more games. Year, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's tough either way. But I think Leonard is in a better position from a health perspective. And again, if you knew he was going to play 75 games... Uh, he's probably in that same tier as LeBron. What do you think about that? You know what's funny is I saw just a guy uh, putting out some picks today, and he had Clippers to miss the playoffs. And at first I was like, that's crazy. And then I'm like, you know what? If George and Leonard both get hurt, you know, that might be worth the 20 to 1 or whatever that he put down on it. And it started me thinking how fragile that team really is. Um for injuries so for both those guys what are you expecting if so if you draft both those guys 60 games i think if i'm drafting Kawhi, i'm hoping for 65 maybe 70 for george it's probably closer to 60 again since you already know he's going to miss some at the beginning of the season so what do you think is that tough for a top pick 
We're going over to where they're ranked on Yahoo. I'm seeing them. Where are they? George is 17 and Leonard is a little lower even. Oh, he's at 13. It seems I, rough for your second round pick, don't you think? I think if you're at the end of the second round and you're looking at these two guys, I think if you can get Kawhi Leonard maybe in that 17-18 spot, I think yeah. that you're buying somebody with a lot of upside, so I'm more than happy to do that. But George, I think, is someone I probably won't own, especially if he's getting drafted in the second round. Yeah, I'm thinking at that spot. You know, I'm looking at a guy like Butler or uh, Trey Young or Rudy Gobert or someone that I know I'm going to get, you know, most likely 75 games out of him. Holiday. I don't know. How much do you think those 10 extra games are going to matter for you? Is it not going to matter? Because hopefully you'll just plug someone else in and it won't be a big loss? Or, I think it matters think it really a lot. You? Ten's a lot. Ten's, I mean, it's more than, t- it's, you know, 12, 13% of the total season. That that matters. Hmm. That's significant. Okay, so so you're a little wary of those guys too, huh? Yeah. It just I sucks. I mean, like, you know. I mean, we know from uh, from our little fantasy football league, me burning that third-round pick on Antonio Brown, how much that put me behind. So maybe I'm a little wary of, you know, burning a pick on a guy that's not really going to perform for you at the higher levels, you know, your, your second first, or third round. The first three picks of your draft should, I think, be about solid guys you can count on yeah. night in, night out. You know, if, say, they do fall to the end of the second round, so let's say you have the first pick and you get to take somebody like Giannis, like Carl Anthony Towns, like Steph Curry, um, maybe Anthony Davis, then I think maybe you can take a chance on Kawhi as like the last pick in the second round. But Why, just because you're going to come back and get someone else right there? Right, right exactly. Can... Hmm. So. I still think that's rough, especially if you got Giannis, because think about all those guys in the middle, you know, and then you're going to have to be going to go up against them with Giannis and then Kawhi's replacement. Kawhi. 20, Kawhi's Kawhi. replacement there 20 we go. nights of the year. <laughs> you did it. I'm so proud of you. Not Kahal. Not Kawhi. Kawhi. All right, let's jump to the next group. Uh, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Otto Porter Jr., Robert Covington. I love seeing Robert Covington here. Um, former Philadelphia 76er. I think this is a perfect example of, you know, categories and how important it is. You know, Robert Covington is somebody, I think a lot of you guys might have laughed as I read that name, but hits a bunch of threes, gets blocks, gets steals, has high percentages in just about everything. He really actually fills up and helps you dominate a few things. But as you look at that group spread, who of those four are you most excited about? So are you surprised that Tatum's so high on the small forwards and Jalen Brown was so low on the on the shooting guards? No, I think that um, what happened with the contract situation, the way the Celtics are built, I think Tatum is the clear choice to be the guy on that team, whereas Jalen Brown's going to be fighting for opportunity. So I I like Jason Tatum this year. I think that he's somebody I'm kind of bullish on. I think that he's going to be more efficient. I think he's going to get some better shots and, um, you know, fill things out a little bit more. Yeah, so my choice out of that tier was Middleton, but I don't know. I think, boy, this really shows you, like, the small forward might be the weakest uh, the weakest one from a fantasy perspective. It is. And, and again, you look at the next group and you start to see how weird it gets. Josh Richardson, yeah. Joe Ingles, and Gordon Hayward. I, I love Gordon Hayward at this point. Um, you know, So, Spread, you've got that Yahoo page open. Where's Gordon Hayward being drafted? Let me scroll down. I think he was in the 60s or 70s. I was trying to grab him today. I think that's a steal. In the mocks. He's at 75. Yeah, so you're looking so at him in the seventh, in the seventh round? round. 
Oh my gosh, I think that he has just an incredible amount of upside. If he is able to play 70 games this year, I think he's going to be someone that gets assists, that gets points, that gets rebounds. Um, just a really nice anchor guy in that seventh round. I really like his upside. Um, Joe Ingles is interesting. A lot of steals, a lot of three-pointers. Josh Richardson I worry about because he's really fourth or fifth guy to eat on the on the Sixers. So yeah. um, Gordon Hayward, some good value there. And then the other guy I see on the next tier, Karis LeVert. Um Kevin Durant's not around this year. There's a lot of points to be had on that team, and I, I wonder if Levert. Levert's could be that another guy. one with injury issues, though. Uh, just last year, he only kind of had the one big injury. I mean, yeah, it's and not, in college too. It's not like Brandon Ingram, who whose heart might not actually work well enough. Um, <laughs> you look at the rest of that tier, so it's Levert, Brandon Ingram, Justice Winslow, Gallinari, T.J. Warren, Kelly Oubre. I, I think Levert stands out clearly as the guy you really. Want I thought group. Gallinari stood out. Well, again, so you're going to give Levert defense doesn't really matter. You're going to Levert crap for injuries, but you want Gallinari? Yeah, I mean, that's true. I'm just thinking, let's say they both play 60 games. I think Gallinari is going to give you a ton of points. He's on a pretty crappy team. I think if Gallinari plays 60 games, you're lucky, and you'll be disappointed if Levert only plays 60. So uh, a little different from that perspective. The other name, Justice Winslow, is really interesting. I, I don't know what he's going to be for the Heat this year, but he could be one of those guys that, Puts up a bunch of steals, a bunch of blocks, and a bunch of assists, and nothing else. I wonder if yeah. he scores any points. His percentages aren't going to be particularly good. He's gotten better at shooting, but that's a that's a kind of a for me a high upside pick. You know, if if you end up kind of later in the rounds and you're looking to make sure that you get some assists, some steals, some blocks, that that's a name that I'm going to have circled. Yeah, so I'm really not too impressed with these small forwards here, though. I think that um, this is one of the the must-fill categories early because, wow. Right. It makes me makes me almost want to consider LeBron more with the number one pick. Right. Just you got to fill the spot. It's almost like your tight end theory. Right. All right, anything else on small forwards? Any other names that stick out to you you want to talk about? Yeah, let's go and look for maybe some, like, sleepers in, at the bottom of these bottom tiers. So 7, 8, and 9, we don't need to read all the names, but who would you be looking at here? Michael Porter Jr., Kevin Knox, and that's probably it. I mean, Harrison Barnes, Not your guy, maybe. Bojan Bogdanovich. You're the one who told me he made the Jazz so much better when we did the previews. He's another guy that is going to be great from a basketball perspective and I think bad from a fantasy perspective. I think that okay. he's fair. too late in line there. When you look at guys like Knox, you look at guys like Porter Jr., um, Knox is on a bad Knicks team. I think he's going to get a lot of Knox opportunities to score. Knox is the one that score. I'm going for, too. And then Porter Jr., if he's even half as good as anybody says he is, come middle of the season, he's going to be getting 25 minutes a night and doing a lot of things on that Denver team. He's on a stacked team, though. Knox is going to be just... Here, we're down by 30. Like, give the fans something to cheer about. I think you're right. Knox is a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier. A guy on a bad team that's going to be very high usage. So that that's yeah. the name that really... And he should have a huge jump from last year, too, because he was really starting to come into his own at the end of the season. All right, you ready for power forwards? Real quick, give me a DeAndre Hunter breakdown. What do you think of him? He's going to be on the Hawks. Um, I don't know anything about him. I watched he seems a little like bit a of him in college. Last pick type of guy. I don't know. I, I mean, doesn't he want to do all the stuff Trey Young's doing? Isn't he going to be annoyed he doesn't get the ball? No, I think he's more of a, a wing slasher. I think he's going to be okay off the ball. I think, I think they'll be able to play pick and roll together. Yeah, I think he's going to be another guy who's a better basketball player than he is a fantasy player. So I, okay. I probably won't that's own fair. any DeAndre Hunter. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I was just thinking he might have some upside as a uh, um, 
we're talking about a balanced guy. I think that he could be a balanced guy. Um, you know, the put that fills up a lot of the a lot of the stat categories. So I, I could see taking a flyer on him with your very last pick. All right, power forwards, the top tier, Giannis and Anthony Davis. You know, we talked about them as potential number one picks. I think mm-hmm. both of them are going to be incredible. I'd prefer to have Giannis just because you know, Anthony Injuries, Davis' right? body is made of yeah. glass. He's already hurt his thumb. But I think that enough has been said about these two guys. The most interesting question I have, Spread, is I'm going to read you Tier 2 and then I'm going to read you yeah, Tier 3. And I want you to know if which tier you actually like better. Tier 2's Siakam, John Collins, LaMarcus Aldridge, Draymond Green, and Zion Williamson. Tier 3, Blake Griffin, Tobias Harris, Julius Randle, and Laurie Markkinen. I think I'd rather have all the Tier 3 guys. Pretty close, and you're going to get mad at me here, but all the names you mentioned, me, Mr. I don't want injured guys, but Blake Griffin, I think you get the most upside out of everyone, and you just say, screw it, I'm only getting him for 65 games, but I don't care. I agree. I think Blake Griffin is the guy out of, out of this whole list that you want. He is going to get a lot of points. He's going to get a lot of rebounds. He's going to get a lot of assists. Um, he's really changed his game. I think that he is a generally healthier player. He's not nearly as injury-prone as he used to be, but I, I love him. His name pops out. Julius Randle, I think, is going to have a lot of fun and score a lot of points. Yeah, Randle's the second one. Laurie and then Mark, who's your Laurie third? then I mean, he's just going to rebound. He's another big guy that's going to put up a lot of threes, and it's hard to find at this position. Um, so for me, it's actually probably between Markkinen and maybe Draymond Green. I mean, that if, was if an Draymond Green's going to be motivated this year, you have a chance to win steals, and blocks, and double doubles. For you, right? Yeah, steals, blocks, double doubles. Well, double doubles is tough. I have uh, I've had him actually the last two years, and you're going to drive yourself nuts on all the double doubles he misses, only scoring eight nine points. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I was thinking eight or nine rebounds, but yeah, they do have a good point. But no, I think he'll get a lot more points this year. They're gonna they're gonna use that pick and roll a lot more. Um, it's just you're getting killed on on shooting percentage and free throw percentage. And Green and sometimes gets that center eligibility that's that's really valuable. And Market and I I'm trying to remember if Marketing was just a power forward or maybe they gave him center eligibility. When too, I was but... I think when I did my mock draft today he was power forward only. Okay. Yeah, Collins is the other guy who's a center, so it's nice when you can get that that versatility. Now what do you think about Siakam? We haven't said anything about him. He is going to be stepping into a much bigger role in Toronto. Is he someone that you're going to be looking for this year? Yeah, I mean, let's jump real quick back to the Yahoo rankings and let's see where he's at. Because I think at the round they had him at, I think that he's an attractive option. Where is he? Oh, no, they have him at 29 right next to Ben Simmons. Oh, wow. No, I think he's a little overrated. What do you think? At 29? Yeah. I, I'm interested. I'm curious to see him going that high. I mean, Because what categories are you getting with him, right? Well getting points you're getting rebounds you get some right. defensive stuff i don't think his percentages will be very good but i don't I, think you're getting that many steals i'm, I'm not taking like him at the end of the third round blocks so where, yeah. where where would you want siakam what round fourth or fifth like you said in those top three you got to get like sure things oh absolutely it's for me i was thinking you know fourth round i don't know if i quite let him go to the fifth but for i think he's fourth round more than he is late third um, yeah, that's a little bit of an overdraft. All right, I'm next... going. I'm going down to about 44, 45, where I'm seeing guys that I would rather. So you're have. going fifth round then? How will that be the middle of the fourth? No, the the, the middle of the forties is the fifth round. You go zero to ten in the oh, first, boy. right? See, thanks Come for on, helping buddy. me out. <laughs> yeah, so middle of the fifth round. <laughs> yeah, so you're you're even lighter on than I am. 
All right, let's go through the rest of the list here. Jared Jackson Jr., Christophe Porzingis, Aaron Gordon, Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, Does Bag- Porzingis turn out in that, stand out in that tier? I think Bagley stands out the most, to be honest. I mean, he's going to be a double-double guy. Um, he's going to get some blocks. He's a high field goal percentage guy. I think Bagley's the best guy in this group. And I so think- for being a local guy, I'll tell you my concerns is that he's – struggles defensively and he might not get the minutes where I can see Porzingis being in the upper 30s Bagley might still be in the high 20s low 30s because you know also remember we do have a pretty deep uh, rotation there with the big guys yeah I worry about Porzingis and his minutes and some load management and stuff like that I I think Aaron Gordon's even a nice name um, Aaron Gordon and Jaron Jackson are probably the two big upside guys. If, if Aaron but see, Gordon... when we're looking at this, right, we'd rather have like a guy like Porzingis, where they don't, where they're going to say we're not going to play him back to backs because then you know he's not playing, than a guy getting high twenties every night, right? Somebody like that, and then you actually can't underestimate Wendell Carter Jr. He is a perfect guy for the dominate category situation. If if you're looking at your draft and you got a bunch of big guys and you're like, you know what, field goal percentage, rebounds, blocks, I'm going to win those every week. Wendell Carter yeah. Jr. is a perfect guy to add into that team because hmm. again, I think he gets center eligibility too. So this is a really yes, he group. does. Carter Jr. does. All right, next group, Kevin Love, Derek Favors, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Kuzma, DeMontis Sabonis. Um, I think this is a nice little group of players, but a lot of things to be concerned about. Who's your favorite? You know, I kind of like this tier because I think they're all right around the same level of where, like, they would be drafting. But And this is where, like, uh, it goes to how are you constructing your team? Are you going for best player available, or are you going to try to um, – you know, make your team a certain way because with, just with this group of guys, right, you can see different ways you want to go, right? With Love, you know, you're kind of going more for uh, rebounds and three-pointers. Uh, favors might be more uh, rebounds, blocks, and points. Kuzma might be more like points, three-pointers. Abaka blocks, three-pointers, you know. Sabonis, you're getting a little more balanced. So I think this is kind of fun. I really don't know who I would take out of all these guys. I think it's all pretty even. I mean, I would be pretty happy having any of these guys on my roster. I think I'm going Kevin Love. Really? And just because their team's so bad? Their team's going to be bad. He's going to get a lot of usage. I think he's going to be planned for a trade. I think that he's going to be a good guy to have at the beginning of the season. And then if he has a good couple months, try to move him. Because you think the Cavaliers will move him too? and then They'll try to move him, yeah. Yeah, I think he's someone that I want early in the season and maybe look to move during the middle that of the That was year. my issue with Sabonis, too, is is he's a candidate to get moved, too, as well, isn't he? I, yeah. I read rumors today with him in a Boston trade. I worry about him and his minutes. Now, there's one name that it's a little further down. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention Brandon Clark. Oh, folk, the folk Memphis hero. darling. Superstar, Mr. Athleticism, just been filling out the stat sheet. I don't know if I'm going to own any Brandon Clark this year, but if you're in a dynasty league, if you're in a league where you have bigger rosters, grab some Brandon Clark. He is somebody who could absolutely pop. Yeah, I like him. Uh, In that same tier, I see Rui Hashimura. Any interest in owning him at all, or is he just going to be a waiver wire wonder? The only wizard I'm going to own this year is Bradley Beal. Huh, okay. Yeah, Sadoransky's gone, so. 
That's right. <laughs> All right, last but not least, the big men, the centers, the top tier there, Carl Anthony Towns and Nikola Jokic. Makes total sense to me. Um, I understand why Mr. Embiid's not there. Um, his limited ability to play every night is obviously going to hold him back a little bit, but um, I think Embiid would be in that first tier if he knew he was going to play 75 games. Don't you agree? Or the minutes, too, because we even had talked about it in Philly strategy. Ideally, he should be a high 20s low 30s guy yeah, he was a low right, mid, yeah, he was a low mid 30s guy last year guys. I but that's get, proper yeah, right i mean I would, I would do that yeah i like towns towns is my favorite guy in this group i like Jokic a lot Jokic is funny because he does a lot of things that a center doesn't do you're going to get a lot more assists and and things yeah. like that but you're also not going to get a lot of rebounds and, and you're not going to get yeah. any blocks so it's kind of funny from that standpoint if you are if you do have a team that you know you don't have a lot of blocks. You're not really worried about that. Jokic is an amazing center. Um, so he's he's a real kind of polarizing guy for me. I think that there will be some teams I would love to have him on and a bunch of teams I have no interest. But see, the thing is you're going to have to pick him so early is he's going to kind of determine which way you're going to go, right? Yeah, I think so. You look at the next tier, Drummond, Embiid, Gobert. I mean, you know, I'm a little biased here, but I think Embiid stands out in that tier. I know Drummond, year in and year out, is a really great fantasy guy. Huge rebounds, huge blocks. Picked up his assist a, l- a little bit last year. Picked up his steals a little bit last year. He is just an absolute beast. Um, but I think Embiid is a guy that is a possible league-winning pick. If if you take him and he plays 75 games, tw- high 20 minutes a night, he's doing everything and anything, and, and you're going to have certain nights that he just he wins you weeks. So if you take Gobert, are you pretty much uh, guaranteeing yourself winning blocks? Yeah, having Gobert, you're going to win blocks, field goal percentage, and rebounds. I mean, those three categories, you're just way ahead. That's why his name jumps out to me. Yeah, I like that. I'm almost surprised that Vukovic isn't in this category. Do you think that that's... I think that's a little disrespect, yeah. So the next next tier is Vooch, Aiton, and and Capella. I think Vucevic belongs to that Drummond and Bede Gobert group more than he does the Aiton. Because we're not going off potential here, right? We're just going off the numbers. Mm -hmm. I love Vucevic. Year in and year out, just a huge stat filler guy. I had him on my team last year. Again, I had a bunch of big guys. It was a lot of fun. He gets you points, rebounds, and field goal percentage, right? Yeah, points, rebounds. He gets a couple assists. Um, Just by being out on the floor, he'll get a block every once in a while. Um, just t- fills up the sheet and really dominates a couple categories. Again, rebounds, points, double doubles. He's very good. Eaton, I wonder why he's got Aiton's the chance here. to make the jump. That's why. Is that what it is? That, it has to be why, right? I mean, out of anyone of all the names we said, if we were to say who was going to win the most improved of these nine guys or whatever, it has to be Aiton, right? He has the most chance to improve statistically on what he provided last year. So it makes sense to me that he's there because. Let's say you're really happy with your draft and, and you're sitting there and around the fourth round. He could be an attractive option just for upside. So would you rather have him or Clint Capella? I'd rather have Aiden. I think I'd rather have Capella. So you're going for the sure thing. I think I'm just going for the – and that's why I ended up uh, fizzling out on Antonio Brown in, in NFL. But <laughs> and I think you, <laughs> you, know, I think I you get – I swinging for the fences there. You get more defensive stats too. Capella does pick up some no, blocks. He picks up some steals. Mm. Can he? He's always in the wrong position. I'm actually going to pull He sucks. Up. He sucks at actual defense, right? Yeah. But he still gets blocks because he's okay at one-on-one. He's just kind of not very aware. He doesn't rotate very well. 
um, and not really good with team defense and switching and things of that nature, but one-on-one and more uh, obvious uh, rim protection opportunities, he, he does pretty well. So he averaged a block and a steal last year. That's that's a that's about right. Again, he's a center. He's playing on the floor. Um, and it's actually pretty close to a Capella average. So maybe I'm thinking about that a little differently. I have to do a little more homework there. But my initial instinct was Capella. Yeah, and I mean, I can't argue with you there. I think that if you are going for a sure thing, you know, and you really want the steady thing, um, Capella's better. Next group, Valanchunas, Mitchell Robinson, Miles Turner, Bam Adebayo, and Hassan Whiteside. Adebayo really sticks out to me in this group. I think he has the most upside. I think he's going to enjoy being a starter for the Heat, and he has just a little more versatility than some of these guys. Turner's got a fight with Sabonis. Mitchell Robinson can't even catch the ball. Valanchunas is useless on defense. I like Robinson. I don't know. He has, he has trouble literally catching the ball. Yeah, but he's going to put up all the numbers in all the categories, and he's going to get the most minutes out of anyone in this group. I think Adebayo gets as many, if not more, minutes than him. Eh, Adebayo is arguable, but he'll get more than Valanciunas, Turner, and Whiteside for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. The next group, Cantor, Adams, Harrell, Thomas Bryant. Now we're kind of right on the edge of, of free agent guys. I think you'll be able to, to pick up. You might not have to actually draft any of these guys. Yeah, so let's just go through and choose out of the remaining guys who you might be targeting as like a sleeper here. Jarrett Allen's always nice. He gets 10 points. He gets 10 rebounds and a couple blocks every single night. A really boring uh-huh. name that I think will be good. Um, so that's e- good info, though. Enos Cantor, I, again, he's going to fill up the rebounds and points. Uh, just a terrible basketball player in terms of, like, serious basketball. But from a fantasy perspective, he's great. Um, Harold's interesting. Zach Collins was the name that I had circled. He has... I think the most upside of this group in terms of minutes, in terms of the ability to really do some interesting things. But what about you? So the two, uh, what I was looking at here is um, I like Lopez as an option for, like you were saying, let's say you think you're ahead. You know, you have the big center guys. Let's say, you know, you went with the, the Drummond and the Gobert style. Maybe by Friday or Saturday, you're looking at putting Lopez in the lineup because you've already won. Uh, blocks and rebounds and now you're looking to maybe add some three-pointers so i think that lopez gives you some interesting options for your week-to-week strategy um i don't know any interest in willie collie stein or mo bomba nope yeah i'm not thinking so either those are guys maybe you pick up towards the end of the week if it needs some blocks or some rebounds but i, I won't be owning them i won't even get you the blocks but uh he's got a real good field goal percentage and he might get points in that system. All right, Spread. I think that's just about all I had that I wanted to cover. Anything else for our audience from a fantasy perspective? No, I think we did pretty good for, uh, like like I said, you know, full disclaimer, this is kind of just us talking through it and, and talking about it as I feel very strong about actually handicapping the NBA. I've done that consistently for at least the last four years, you know, every day. But uh, fantasy, I hadn't played for a little while, except for the daily fantasy. Um, but I figured just knowing the NBA, it's going to be a lot of fun for us to join in. We've got a little league where we'll be competing against each other. So um, the little references might be peppered out throughout the podcast throughout the year. But uh, other than that, it seems to be that, that we got uh, we got a lot of fun info out there. And actually, I learned a lot. So hopefully people did too. 
Yeah, we're going to have a fantasy draft Sunday night, and I think what Spread and I is planned there is to record a podcast while we're drafting, talk about the picks, kind of give some live reactions and stuff. Um, but let us know what you thought. Reach out to us at NetworthPod. You can find us both individually on Twitter. We'd appreciate your thoughts. You know, did, did you like hearing about fantasy? Is it something you want to hear about more as we go through? You know, Like we've mentioned a few times, um, we are going to have a regular podcast once the season comes up. Maybe that's once a week. Maybe it's twice a week. Depends on kind of what happens. But um, at this point, it's it's kind of up in the air what we're going to do. So let us know, you know what you want to hear about. If you like what we talked about today and you want us to kind of hit that fantasy angle, we'd be happy to do that a little bit more. So please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Uh, we'd love a rating or review on whatever you're listening to. And have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers. <laughs>